Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is James Evans, and there's nothing grey about her gardens. It's Ellie Nunn! <laughs> you know what I enjoyed most about that is we really explored the full range of your vocals on that. It well, was like, hello everyone, and welcome to the Housewives. Oh, showing God. my range, that's one for the voice reel. Yeah, really? <laughs> Check. You really took us from Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire down to Luanne yeah, there yeah. in one swift sentence. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. I like to tell a story. I'm a natural storyteller in whatever I do. Oh, and how I've missed that. I've missed your storytelling, Panache. I know, I know. And as you guys have at home, I'm sure. The three of you that are left. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Survivor what of the fittest. What you don't know is there's a, exactly, there's a prize for yes. whoever sticks it out the longest. It's like Hunger Games. I feel that we're doing... So I've been watching... Uh, Years ago, there was a programme over here called The Missing. Brilliant programme uh, on the BBC. And then they did a second series. Again, brilliant. And then a character in it, which was very popular, detective called Baptiste, they made a series about him mm. on Netflix. And I've been watching it. And it's that really sad thing where you go, oh, they ruined it. No, you're oh, and... no. Pourquoi? Well, some people probably disagree with me. I'm sure some people think that Baptiste is brilliant. And everyone in it is great. But it just... For me, it's a bit like Line of Duty when something's so good and it, what, I tell you what happens, mm. is demand for it outweighs the time needed to make it as good oh. as the kind of honing, mm-hmm. I imagine, of a first initial idea. Yeah. And so it just becomes a bit thin and a bit tropey and a bit cliched. And um, I think we've probably done the same. Like where <laughs> yes. we've got to, I feel like... <laughs> We've probably outstayed our welcome. Uh, I, I think maybe around like episode 30 of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Well, I think we sort of done a double whammy where it's sort of the worst of both worlds, where I think people have been clamoring for us and we've actually taken so long that people have stopped clamoring and forgotten about they us. Stopped. And it's like, we're back. And it's just like not what it once was. No the magic's cares. gone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, you know what? In true Sonia Morgan fashion, mm. a double Sonia Morgan uh whammy a the fact that this has taken so long because james and i have both been having very sort of lady morgan style nervous breakdowns in our lives in a way that it's just not (laughs) been possible to sit down and record is what it is um and even today i was 15 minutes late because i was washing my hair and it's like 6 p.m. over here. Again, very Sonia. It's very South Pacific of you. Very South Pacific, but also just very Sonia to kind of be like, and the toilet's blocked, and I just... I was fucking <sighs> this guy, and I broke the day <laughs> and... <laughs> just went a bit Jerry Seinfeld then. <laughs> <laughs> broke the day. I broke we'll the day. I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that we're very strong on our Sonia, but we'll, we'll find, find we'll it find together. It. I think my instinct with the Sonia impression is 
I always go to a place of this kind of soft-spoken, soft-spoken, oh jeez, soft-spoken, <laughs> lilting, like Yankee Ooh. version of Blanche Dubois, where she has this kind of like genteel old South essence, which I think is. But a- she has to. But she. Uh, but the thing is, she has two different kind of heads on with that because she has that side of the kind of like. We don't talk about the families mm-hmm. sort of side that comes out, which is one of my favourite Sonia Morgan lines in the whole of her entire <laughs> existence on The Real Housewives. Why are we in the mob? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that was... The fact that when you see that in the preview for the reunion, I think you assume it's going to be about something... Bryn or about something really deep. And it's about Tinsley sharing about having anal <laughs> with Topper. <laughs> you it's don't very talk serious about the families. stuff. No. Um, and then... You have this other Sonia, one of my favourite lines again of hers. Well, I mean, you have kind of like, I'm going to knock you out, kind of Sonia. But also, well, you know what they say, you don't know until the fat lady sings. Here I am. And here I am. (laughs) Always doing a bit as our Sonia. Well, she has this, I I would also argue that she has this kind of related to that, I'm going to knock you out thing. But she has this kind of quite shrill, loud, bullhorn tone as if she's telling a story to someone in a nightclub of like, oh, I just remembered I peed myself. Or, you know, it's like, um, yeah, she also, I, I think, broke my tooth uh, yeah, ripping off his broke shirt. my tooth ripping his shirt off. And I think because compared to the likes of Bethany and Jill, who are very New York, Sonia actually also really gets to a place of New York as well. Yeah. Ripping his shirt off. I broke my tooth. Yes. Ripping his shirt off. Yeah. Should I say it one more time? You don't <laughs> use someone's assistant to get you get your own fucking hats. Period. Period. Woo. That's a great line. Yeah. Have you noticed, by the way, that I've got so my iPad camera does mm. this thing where it like follows me around. I have noticed. It was a bit unnerving. I noticed um the last I, time. I didn't want I to hate say it. anything. I'm like, it's Zoom. I don't need Spielberg on this, but it's I don't know how to turn it off. But every time I move it like zooms in on me or it like mo- it follows me around. It's giving me I, vertigo, I, like I, Ramona. Ah, I know. I've got vertigo. It's very unsettling. So before we get on to um, Sister Sasonia, mm-hmm. I have something exciting to share, which is I went to a traitor's birthday party. Oh. I was really worried that it would simply serve to remind me how much I don't enjoy playing Mafia. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, I want to watch it. I don't want to be in it because I just felt so stressed. I was like, I'm so stressed if I am... I feel stressed talking about it. I was like, I'm going to be stressed if I am a traitor. I'm going to be stressed if I'm a faithful. And it it definitely cemented for me that I couldn't go on the show. But I won. Oh, well done. Oh, congrats. So, I know. Did you have like a little fire in the middle of the room and you had to throw a pouch in and did it burn red? No, but we did have the soundtrack playing the whole time and it was thrilling. I was going to say, we both know the host and if anyone's going to put on a good fan fiction traitor's party, it would be her. Oh, it was extraordinary. She made everyone like folders full of little ch- personalised chalkboards. I, I mean, she, she obviously went above and yeah. beyond. But yes, so I was faithful. Oh! Yeah, and I got accused in the first round... And James, no one has ever looked guiltier than I. I just couldn't remember how to defend myself or play. And I sounded so guilty and my ears went like bright red. Why, Ellie? And That's not like you. 
I, I know that is not like it's you. It's not like you. I in my head I was just like, oh, I have to just be voted off the first round. Like this just confirms me that I don't know how to play. I completely crumbled, and for some reason I just missed being voted out in the first round, and then from that point on sort of got my nerve back and people started to be like oh no 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 I was completely saved by the fact that we had a detective and the detective checked whether it was me because I looked so guilty and it wasn't so when they revealed they were like I can tell you it's not Ellie so I suddenly had this like immunity for the whole game as a faithful the fact that it was confirmed they were the detective we like knew they were the detective so they knew that it wasn't me But then it was this really scary game that it was just like me against all the traitors because I was like the only... Yeah, why wouldn't they have voted you off? That doesn't make any sense on the traitor. This this is bad traitor play, if I do say so myself. I don't know, maybe because they thought that they could still turn it on. I don't know, but basically right at the end I I massively screwed up and it was between two people and then there was one other person. And I was so sure that one of them was guilty and it turned out they were a faithful and it was properly like in the thing where I was just like, oh, I've massively screwed up. But yeah, I in the end, I came out victorious and um, I'm still high off of it and I got a little trophy. That's incredible because it's very weighted against the faithfuls to win. That is very impressive. Doubly impressive. I raised my glass to you. Although, thank you. I almost feel like the trophy should have gone to the last traitor because they played the better game. All I did was survive. I, of course, didn't give them the trophy because I wanted it. Right, no. But yeah, yes. so that was that was um, quite thrilling. Congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you. Are you going to apply for season two? Has this given you inspiration? Absolutely not. No, Categorically, no. no. I couldn't think of anything worse. My rosacea would go into overdrive. <laughs> All that lying. The emotional turmoil. Do you have any other parish notes? Any parish notes? Um... No, just very boring stuff. I'm just ready to talk about Sonia. Okay, let's do it. Let's, let's do talk it. about Sonia Morgan. So I have like a little table of contents here on my notes. Of course you do. Because I'm coming back with that kind of first day of school feeling. I'm full of energy now and I'm going to be a good student. And one big question, an overarching point I have for Sonia is how in on her own joke is she? Great thesis statement. It's one that that I hope that maybe we can have a really solid discussion on because I haven't come to a cogent conclusion on it myself. I have these kind of two competing contradictory points in my head where I firstly think that Sonia, I do believe that she is savvier than she lets on. And I think that she's playing up to what she knows is a bit of a hit with the audience. Mm. And I think she's also a master of showing a lot, but also doing nothing in the sense that we know her bowel movements on a very deep, intimate level, <laughs> but we've never met her kid. For someone who's been on TV for 10 years plus, there's actually a lot we don't know about Sonia. And I don't think it's by chance. I think she's very tactically guarded yeah. on what information she reveals about herself and when. Yes. But then also at the same time, I believe that the way that she behaves on camera is exactly the same as how she behaves when she's in the townhouse by herself. I feel like we've said this before. A lot of housewives I like, but I feel that maybe editing helps them out a bit or it cuts out some of the fat, but I could genuinely 
watch a live stream of her harassing people in public, which I basically have done. I've seen evidence of her yeah, yeah. out in the world, getting blind drunk, harassing gays in piano bars, getting chucked <laughs> out of restaurants. And, you know, that's not just a persona she dons for the show. So I don't know. I think, I guess in conclusion, she's so full of rich detail. And that really is her on a very esoteric micro level, but on a macro level, she actually oh, has... stop. You are, you are coming I'm getting so it all out now. I'm just siphoning all, like, going back to our original Jesus. thesis statement. But I think on a macro <laughs> level, she has a lot of control over her image. And I would argue is surprisingly one of the best housewives at tactical gameplay because she's never really been in the hot seat for anything substantial. That's what I was going to say. Yes. And what I was going to say is that she... I mean, they generally, they're survivors on... New York in terms of they so many with Ramona and Sonia and Luann they do all play an extraordinary strategic game of always staying on the right side of crazy but without doing an Aviva and burning out to a point where you think how can you stay on the show how because where do you go from there and I definitely think out of those people I mean Ramona maybe pushes it the most in terms of being a terrible person but Sonia definitely pushes it the most in terms of being out of control mm-hmm. and there are points where you think at what point is this almost a kind of voyeur if she's not in on her own joke and if she's not self-aware are we now cashing in on the entertainment of watching someone who's really only one step away from Kim Richards and right. having a, a real problem with alcohol and really quite upsetting to watch sometimes. Yeah. This isn't necessarily where I wanted to start on the kind of <laughs> Sonia train. But like I but I do think no it's important. Play, yeah. I, I, I think part of the answer to your question is that she does change season by season. She plays different tactics and it's fascinating to watch. There are some seasons just going, I, I was going back today and watching some of that beginning of season 10. Mm-hmm. And that is maybe the most she's in the hot seat in terms of there's that breakfast in the Hamptons where no one wants to sit with her. Right. Or talk to her. And she's kind of the, the villain of the season a couple of times, fairly or not. Mm-hmm. But she's never got villain status like Ramona or Luan in terms of, because there's something a bit tragic about Sonia. Yeah. Even when she does screw up, there's something really sad about watching. You kind of can't ostracize her too much or go for her too much because it's targeting someone who can't really fight for themselves. Yeah. Which is why I think when you get someone like Luanne saying, well, she's been through a lot and Dorinda gets so angry. On one hand, Dorinda's right that it's like, well, they've all been through a lot. And for some reason, Sonia does get this slightly strange free pass off and of, well, you know, Sonia's not all there. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm kind of with Luann that it's like you can't let anything stick with Sonia too much because she's sort of, I don't know how aware she is of what she's saying sometimes or how it lands. Yeah, Sonia's essence that can be quite thoroughly depressing can be both to her benefit and her detriment in that it really highlights her as an easy target, I think, for sort of everyday mockery. Totally. Where she becomes a bit of a punching bag, but then to the point where people know it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good to just harp on on Sonia because it's just never a fair fight because it's it's our silly Sonia and she's not well it's that but then it shields her from any ultimate anything big it's exactly what you just said which is odd they all have this strange relationship with her where I feel very sad about Sonia and there's definitely seasons I really agree with the talking head when Dorinda's saying about how humiliating it is for Sonia the way that they all pick up with the men she's dated with no sense of respect and no sense of and there's no way 
that if one of them, if Luan was dating someone that Bethany had dated, mm-hmm. that it would be approached in this totally dismissive, you don't count, you're just some whore on the opposite yeah. side that he kind yeah. of... It, it, the way that they all dismiss that and that it feels that she's sort of left with nothing really is very painful to watch. But then, like you say, it does sort of constantly shield her because anytime anyone tries to hold Sonia to anything or pin her down, someone is there to kind of go, this isn't a fair fight. It's kind of a bit of an I Claudius situation where I feel like everyone else is jockeying for power and getting murdered around her, but no one quite looks at Sonia long enough because she's just this court jester or someone who's just so clearly the most wounded gazelle in the herd that she lasts until the bitter end. It speaks to the power of, you know, as much as we joked about someone like Dee Dee being like, we're all alphas here. <laughs> and it's like, you're so clearly a beta. Being a beta in the world of Real Housewives can serve you very well. And Sonia, I think, is a consummate beta. Well, she's very clever because she's always someone's side person. Yeah, she's, she's always... always happy being a sidekick yeah. and attaching herself to whoever is the most dominant at any given time. A hundred Normally Bethany. Or Ramona. Yeah, the Ramona relationship in this this way can be very mutually beneficial where Ramona loves it because she can boss Sonia around and periodically drop her when it's beneficial to her and Sonia likes it because Ramona's a conduit for Sonia to behave badly and she knows that Ramona will take 99% of the we'll, flack and we'll Sonia always will always look away. worse yeah, yeah absolutely I also think we as an audience have over the years developed a sort of evolutionarily based coping mechanism where and speaking personally anyway I get a lot of fatigue from Sonia's shenanigans right near the end of the season finale and I'm like I can't see any more of this woman on my TV screen it's just too depressing it's too grim and then as a form of self-preservation in the off-season, I look back and see it through rose-coloured glasses and forget the specifics of it. And then by the time a new season of Roni comes around, I'm fully back on board the Sony yeah, yeah. to start the process <laughs> all over again. It's so true. And I also think that we as an audience have cottoned on to Sonia's bag of tricks, going back to is she in on her own joke, where we maybe don't consciously put too much stock into the specifics of Sonia's storyline because we know it's all kind of bullshit and it's not going anywhere. We're not particularly invested in her sobriety journey that season when she's come back from a green juice cleanse in Costa Rica because we know by the end of the season on the group trip she's going to be flailing around in Bethany's knickers trying to snog Luan it's like the same process again and again and again Sonia's one of those people who I think creates harebrained schemes and storylines for the show that are transparently made up for the show in the same way that Mm -hmm. someone like Melissa Gorga might But whereas Melissa sort of gets dragged for it, Sonia manages to escape that scrutiny once again and is anything beloved for it. And I think it's the same manner as Aviva or Melissa or Gretchen Rossi, where Sonia does many of the same things, but she can sort of get away with it just because she's much funnier and more charming and telegenic about it. And I think that gets you very, very far. I think there's a lot to be said for Sonia really being a very natural comedian she's fucking funny oh absolutely the whole big apple circus bit is great comedy she's a fantastic physical comedian nothing's phasing her she's doing somersaults she's taking what the performer's giving her with the water and then she like spits it back in his face she's like one-upping him she's great at improv it is extraordinary that bit and it is so, you know, the clip I sent you a few weeks ago when Ramona's saying, well, didn't Sonia did cabaret first? And Luan's like, 
Tabernacle. <laughs> she's like, and the bit when Iran like comes into the shop. God, it's so funny. I may have to, I may have to ask James to put it, it on our yeah. Instagram. It's incredible. It's this bit where Ramona's telling someone else, I can't remember, maybe Dorinda, about how Sonia used to do cabaret, and Luan just like comes into the shop while she's talking, and in this really strange, intimidating way, and um, and basically dismisses Sonia's whole performance history. Where call it whatever it is that Kebeles thing, it's it's amazing. Sonia's thing, she, it's yeah. it's very much its own hybrid. But my God, is she the queen of it? She looks incredible. Mm. She owns an audience, and she is a natural performer. And I think that's why I found it really sad. The season that begins with her doing the off Broadway play about sex, where you're watching yeah. and you're like, no, Sonia, this isn't what you should be doing. No, and I kind of hate her. the way that in Luann's shows, it's basically become like she gets up and like whips her dress off as a kind of joke ending thing i think i think it's a shame i think she's actually i think she's classier than that oh you do but i think she's quite happy i don't think she feels humiliated by doing it no i just think it's a shame that she i think across the seasons she's clever enough to have noticed that her strongest position on the show is in that kind of court jester place of mm-hmm. sending herself up and making herself the butt of the joke. And I think it's sad because when you go back and watch those cabalesque things, mm-hmm. I think at that point, she's not so far along as... I think she has more power than that. Yeah. And I think it's sad that she has... Now, I don't think she minds doing it, but she's now purely the punchline. Mm-hmm. And the punchline is, I fucked a lot of guys, or my pants fell down, mm-hmm. or I forgot to wear pants, or my tooth fell out, or, you know, it's just, it's like Hannah Gadsby's whole amazing Nanette comedy special about embarrassing yourself and undermining yourself in order to create comedy. And I think it's kind of sad that Sonia's become reduced to that, because I actually think she's a better comedian than that. Mm-hmm. And I think she is really funny. And I think that the show has slightly reduced her to that. It is interesting, isn't it? Sonia, when she first joined midway through season three, amongst all the chaos of Bethany and Jill falling out and Kelly's breakdown, was this real anchor and like a much needed sane presence. A hu- I, all, I, like, I think about that all the time. Her first season, she so didn't come in with this sort of wacky energy that mm-hmm. it very much sort of developed, especially in that partnership with Ramona and... I don't know, I guess they sort of spotted the marketability of that. Mm -hmm. I remember she does hint at that kind of floozy persona. I think her dress actually does genuinely come undone and she very flippantly is kind of like, oh, it's just so well trained. And you're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And there's like a breezy effortlessness to it that feels very organic. Going back to what you were saying about how little we actually know about Sonia or see of her life, Mm -hmm. enlighten me. What is Sonia's past? What is the family she married into? So her maiden name is Tremont, which I think is very lucky for her because Tremont to me sounds like a very waspy Mayflower name. Mm. But I think she's actually just, she grew up in some nondescript town in upstate New York. I think she sort of has that affinity with Ramona where they come from the same place, both geographically and culturally. And then, but she's not like born. She's not like Tinsley. She's not like born into. No, no, no. She is of, not old money whatsoever. Because she really much, gives that illusion, doesn't no, she? No, yeah. She married into Morgan money, which is a massive transition for anyone. Like my God, that's like marrying a Rockefeller or somebody. Which leads us into this 
it sounds like such low-hanging fruit and it's such an easy comparison to make, but it really is this sort of Miss Havisham persona that we get where she keeps talking about this Morgan family museum and I genuinely don't know if such a museum exists or whether it is just like the plot twist is it's all in her mind or like the townhouse <laughs> may as well be like at the Morgan family museum like she's the one living in it and keeping it up and I kind of get Dorinda's point I don't think she's coming at it from a place of concern it's more a place of mockery but it is a strange fixation Sonia has to devote her life to a family that does not hold her in the same regard. She was married to her husband for less than 10 years. She's the fourth of five wives. She's just a footnote in the Morgan family history, but yet here she is building her own shrine to a family that have long since forgotten her. And it's impressive how stubborn Sonia is with that obsession. We find with a lot of housewives, it's not unusual to first encounter them devoting themselves to a cause in order to find a sense of belonging. They're almost all like Sonia. They're all just women from the middle of nowhere who married into a world of privilege and are fundamentally uneasy about it. And thus they throw themselves into a cause in order to find a sense of purpose and belonging. You know, Luann was similarly obsessed with her husband's family history. Jill was just this girl from Long Island who was the head honcho when it came to charity events in the Hamptons. And we see it on other cities. It's not just exclusive to New York. You know, we have Karen mm. Huger was the etiquette queen and the grand dame in season one with Leanne on Dallas. She was the queen of the charity scene there. It's always a given, though, that they trade in that initial devotion to a devotion to the show. Luan traded being a De Lesseps historian for a cabaret star. Karen traded being Grand Dame of Potomac to the place to Grand Dame of Potomac the show. They're all still just as insecure and looking for a place of belonging, but they've leveled up in their aspiration. Mm. But Sonia remains kind of frustratingly stagnant. She's still that Morgan historian we met at the very beginning. Sometimes it is out of control. That Atlanta trip is the one that always sticks out to me as the what most Atlanta why I almost trip? need. Is it not Atlanta or is it um, Atlantic City? Maybe. Oh, Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. The trip where she can't stop saying the thing is I'm a people person. Yeah. That's one of the closest I've come to like having to switch off an episode because I was just like, I can't hear you say it again. I can't. That thing where Bethany's like, I I, I just can't hear you say it again. Yeah. I can't. I, the, the whole journey there, the whole dinner, the whole night at the nightclub saying again and again stuff like that is just such an example I couldn't do a night out with Sonia in terms of the broken recordness of just not hearing Mm -hmm. being completely in your own loop and it's so funny Sonia has such a habit often of being the one who's like yes thank you and everyone's like no no (laughs) we're not agreeing with you like (laughs) oh with the thing with Bethany just generally she's always a bit like see you get it and the person's like no I'm saying like (laughs) I kind of sympathize with her in the sense that one thing I've noticed about Sonia whenever they have big parties is Sonia is very good at being put into a room full of people of whatever demographic it is and just being Mm -hmm. able to vibe with them and meet them on their level whether it be one of Ramona's quite crusty birthday parties with all these Upper East Sider ladies I I think she's very good she can recognize that she in this world she needs to be very prim and proper and talk about I don't know like lunch or whatever and then (laughs) when she's hanging out with Ray kind of what you were saying before like 
she just has to stand there and endure this buffoon like bellowing in her ear like how did you know you bitch how did you know <laughs> how did you know about Ibiza and she's very unfazed by it and she's a really good sport about it and takes it with a lot of sense of humour and then she's also like has her gaze or she some random lesbian in a bar being like Sonia you're hot and then she'll just like walk up to her and just like snog her for 30 and uninterrupted seconds she's very good I think at meeting other people on their level and in that same way being a bit of an improviser yes. being like oh I got it yep let's go and I can see she maybe in her mind is like I do that for other people so if I'm talking yes. a load of guff about start why can't you humor me or meet me at my level as well that's a you know? That's a very good point, yeah. I do think it's also worth saying that I think Sonia, potentially the most out of any housewife on the show, wins over every new housewife, potentially the most, in terms of there's, there seems to be such genuine like love and warmth and care. And I think about someone like Leah mm-hmm. not being sure at first and then just like such genuine love and warmth for someone that it's not necessarily because we've seen them bonding on screen or that we've seen a scene in which it's like it changed everything. There must be something in Sonia's demeanour and who she is as a person that is very authentic. Yeah. And that I think people really accept and feel enormous compassion for or a kind of protectiveness yeah, over her. Completely. Even if they're exhausted yeah. by her. I will say, though, that we have seen times where... In contrast to her being the beater, there's like a select group of housewives where she really does punch down to. She knows that they're beneath her on the totem pole. And we do see a difference. <laughs> it's Tinsley. It's, it's, it's Tinsley. It's Tinsley and it's it's Cindy Barshop and it's, what's her name? Kristen. It's probably those three. Yes, yeah. And I think it's because she knows that there's no bigger picture. They're not going to be long for this world. And so there's no, she isn't yeah, gonna, she's not going to waste so any true. time and energy on that if it's not going to serve her. I think she has a sense of social currency and I think she's still that girl from upstate New York like scrambling to maintain her position in society. It is funny going back to what we were saying about there being something a bit tragic about Sonia and that it feels like she has to be somewhat protected by the women from anything too heavy. That even the way we're talking about her is with a sort of sensitivity or a carefulness where it doesn't feel right almost to just send her up or laugh at her or be like the lunacy even though there is so much lunacy yeah. there because underneath there's something like a bit broken or a bit worrying so it doesn't feel I don't feel able to it's not like us doing an episode about Dana yeah. or Vicky Gumbelson mm. or whatever there's it is much more in that vein of sort of Kim Richards or people where you think yeah there is high kind of caricature wild scenes and oh my god the bit when she's got Coco when she pulls the dog up under the table and they're all like put the dog down so yeah and she stretches the dog out it's unreal she wraps it around her chest like it's a bomb and they're all going put the bomb down (laughs) literally but again, great prop work. Great prop Coco work. Coco works in tandem with her. They have this great symbiotic relationship. She goes really limp. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> horrifying, but good. I mean, Sonia and her dog's generally yep. kind of horrifying as a relationship. Yeah, dyeing a dog bright pink and then giving another dog away to some gays oh. because she can't be bothered to look after it. There's a lot of problematic stuff there that she gets away with because yeah, it's yeah. Sonia. But I think to your point, I think we do treat her with kid gloves because... The word is very overused, especially on this podcast. She's very camp in its most tragic sense. There's a lot of Judy Garland there to her. And I think any Mm. gay or anyone who's well-versed in camp heroines knows that nine times out of ten, 
their story ends really badly. Not saying that that's necessarily going to happen to Sonia, but it's hard no, but not to separate the two when... She died of Eva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, took the words right out of mouth. Well, she I think is Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah. It is a, hey, it is a compliment in my book. It's one thing I'll agree with Eva. Oh. I think there was a very scary time for Sonia in season eight where it genuinely felt that Sonia may be on the outs forever. When she got, when iced, she got out iced out of the Berkshire. So she didn't go to the Berkshire. She didn't go to the Berkshire's. And she just couldn't let that go because of feeling, I think, that she was going to be off yeah. the show. And it was so tragic, the fact that they all went to the Berkshire's and she had to do some scene of her getting her vagina rejuvenated or whatever to try and kind of go, I'm here. I, I can do content. I kind of loved it. I saw it through the prism of Samantha Jones. It felt very, I don't need the Berkshire's. I don't need you girls. All I need is my vagina and a camera. Boys, follow <laughs> me. I'm going to get my pussy reupholstered. <laughs> but I take her point where afterwards, all of the women were like Sonia you've got to let it go it was just a trip to the Berkshires we do it every year like you'll be at the next one don't worry about it and her point clearly that she wanted to make was no it's not just a trip to the Berkshires this was a seismic moment on the show and I was iced out of it I wasn't part of it yeah and she just couldn't articulate it exactly it's like not being at the party where Aviva throws her leg yes and it did really feel like it was a time where arguably Bethany was at her most powerful Mm. yeah it's a testament to her kind of sliminess her ability to degrade herself and humiliate humiliate herself, do whatever it takes to get back in there that has worked out really well for her. So I'm really happy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What else would you say? What are our like top five Sonia moments? Oh, would you argue? I'm trying to think. Like not not moments, but like storyline, like scenes. Well, this is a companion piece. We should say to an episode we did in season one about alcohol, where it was sort of like a two for one deal about Sonia and Dorinda. Dorinda as well, wasn't it? So yeah. a lot of the stuff. I'm trying to be very careful not to repeat points that we've made, and obviously it's quite tricky with Sonia because a lot of her persona is wrapped up in alcohol. But I think one thing that we really need to talk about are her businesses uh, or lack thereof oh my god of course yeah i can't believe we never talked about the toaster oven the toaster oven is the perfect prime example the perfect way of talking about the bullshittery of of sonia and her businesses and heather thompson was the perfect sacrificial lamb to be lumbered with the thankless task of yes. trying to make this toaster oven come to fruition. It's like, if you're going to pick one of the five <laughs> newbies, get the peppiest, most enthusiastic one of the three. Hey, mama! Hey, mama, let's make you a business lady! Yeah, <laughs> it's like she goes into it thinking it's going to be this Pygmalion-esque makeover where she'll make a businesswoman yeah, yeah. <laughs> of Sonia, yeah. Only to discover that Sonia is completely beyond saving. And if anything, it's had a corrupting effect on Heather where she comes out of it the other side completely jaded with like a cigarette hanging out of her mouth 
gone from this head girly feminist cheerleader to being like fuck this bitch and meanwhile Ramona yeah. and Luana stood to the side being like I told you don't put too much stock oh, in oh no they're not Ramona <laughs> stood there fucking complaining about Heather's like <laughs> offering of marketing and stuff like that Ramona's awful in that bit when she catches them talking at the fashion show where Ramona's in Sonia's ear being like she should have given you this <laughs> and she should whatever where it's just like fuck off Ramona such a pain. oh my god it's impressive how long it goes on for it's a whole season long arc yeah you know who i love is sonia's i think he's such an unsung supporting character of rehearsals in new york is sonia's business associate slash assistant who's just always there to say that they've made no profit and had no offers and it's literally just them sat there with her being like and did we make any money from the fashion show and him being like, like, like nope nope Nope. <laughs> it's a great scene. I think about that scene a lot where... No, I think there's... Maybe there's two scenes. There's the one where Bethany's asking him questions and he he's... Yeah, really and he's like, we can't disclose that right like, now. And she's like, what is this, the mark? We can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there's the one where then Heather comes along because Bethany makes the very astute point of, I'm flattered that you've come to me for business advice, but if you want to have a clothes line, maybe ask the businesswoman who has a clothes line. And it really... I don't know, it gets me really excited. I love hearing housewives talk about something that they really know a lot about and Heather's on like full form and like her whole energy is really a force for good here where she's being like, okay, so what is, we, ha- we haven't seen any clothes. They're, we're, we're launching in like a month. Okay, just tell me what is the look? Like who is the clientele? Where would this hang in a department store? And they're like, well, it's Sonia, you know, it's sexy, it's unique. And she's like, yeah, cool, got it. But like, in yep. Macy's Lovely. or in Saks, like, where is it going to be? Are we talking more like Ralph Lauren or Vivian Westwood? Like, what are we talking about? She's like, they're going to have their own floor. You know, Sonia, she's her own thing. And it's like, oh my God, there's no, can't even get that straight answer. And then they try out all these models and Sonia's like, no, she's too hippie for me. No. <laughs> And then they were like, should we be saying this in front of the models? Like, I don't want any of them having a nervous oh. breakdown on my watch. And she's like, I come from that world. Also, can we can we talk about when they all are given the outfits and Leah's given oh. the tracksuit bottoms yeah. and the grey short-sleeved tracksuit top <laughs> that honestly is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I feel like you could order a tracksuit off Amazon and it would be better. Yeah. I don't even understand. Forget even the fact that it, it's kind of rude to Leah and that it, you would never wear it to an event like that. I would never wear it, period. Period. I wouldn't wear like, it at home. It yeah. just, I wouldn't wear it at home. It doesn't look comfortable. Yeah. It looks, it's just this, it's awful. Did she, in my and mind. Like, Why is that in? There's also no design to it. It's just, didn't she like pair it with some like burgundy velvet Kyle with Richards a fedora. fedora? Yeah, as if to be like, <laughs> now it's elevated. <laughs> now it's an it's outfit so funny. but then Sonia plays it so well because on so many other housewives shows this could have gone on for ages and she kind of like wrapped it up buttoned it up and she was like I'll put it on see it looks great and then she comes out and does a little like trot and everyone's like boo oh, you look like shit and she's just like walking the catwalk okay. to see a booze and she's like okay yeah <laughs> great yeah it. oh it's such a slap in the face with the toaster oven because then after Heather's like paid for this whole photo shoot and had graphic designers come in to create these really great logos. And then she comes in and she's like, I had gays reach out to me on Twitter. And then like yes! <laughs> showing all these like shit 
<laughs> clip art logos that the gays did for her because it has the sexy J. And that's Sonia, a little bit oh, of Sonia. She's just awful. There are moments where I'm like, you're just awful. You are awful. I do think this is why, in contrast to someone like Heather, who went all in on Sonia and then very quickly burned her fingers and learned her lesson. I think that's why Luan probably does have the strongest, most consistent relationship with Sonia because she doesn't put any stock in her antics whatsoever, mm. expects very little of her and just compartmentalizes her as a yeah. little Sonia Rita. So even though it might seem quite cold, the way yeah. that Luan was very dismissive of Sonia's feelings about Tom, I can also see how it was probably quite frustrating for Luan because up to that point, we'd all taken Sonia's stories about past lovers and her glamorous life with a pinch of salt. And now, because it's convenient to the other women, because it annoys Luann, yeah. it's now being weaponized and legitimized by Bethany and Carol and Ramona. And all of a sudden, That's she's so meant true. to like, accept this thing, this heavily embellished story of Sonia and Tom being lovers as gospel. That bit when they're being like, you were lovers. That was so we were. Coach it, yeah. We were, we were companions. On a yacht, we no less. Oh, On a yacht. Let's talk about the townhouse. It's really ugly. It's next to a car park. I don't think that ever gets said enough. It's it's so hideous. Yeah. But the decor and everything, it's just so, it's so ugly. And it's so, it's such a relic. What are you saying about like the Museum of Morgan? But it really is in terms of, it's so, um, I mean, I don't know if any of them have like the best taste. Maybe Carol, I quite like Carol's apartment, but it's so, are you, next to Carol's apartment, it's so something from another century. Yeah. It feels like, do you remember when you and I went to the Brooklyn Museum and we went through that bit where you like look through windows into old, peri- <laughs> like, like little dioramas of, of yeah, period yeah. <laughs> rooms. Yeah, yeah, it feels like one yes. of those. I mean, it's a, an aesthetic reflection of the townhouse, which is this very literary space. Mm-hmm. It feels like a patchwork Frankenstein's monster mashup of every gothic abode that you've read about in any novel from the 1800s. Mixed with sort of Channel 4's hoarders. Right, yeah. And it's just called The Townhouse. It could be anywhere. It could be a house on like the Yorkshire Moors. It's definitely haunted. Sonia could have like come to New York a hundred years ago by boat and from Transylvania and she's this vampirist. There's mm. also shades of Rebecca where Sonia's playing this dual part of, you know, the Mrs. Danvers preserving the memory of herself when she was a Mrs. Morgan. Mm. There's just something so evocative in a very non-specific way like her life was frozen yeah. in time at the exact moment when her divorce was finalized and it's just but it's also just it's so heavy and dirty and even the fa- the constant that sense with the plumbing falling apart or the, it just doesn't it's like i just can't imagine how much lighter she would feel somewhere it's like, symbiotic it, her relationship it totally, it's it, a reflection of sonia's mental state exactly and you look at that basement full like full of stuff and just racks and racks of clothing tubs of like oil and stuff like like gasoline and like crude oil like why it's um yeah it's a lot and i think this ironically is probably the one storyline that we as an audience and the cast as a collective are actually invested in and it's one where we're actively rooting for sonia because we want her to sell the house not only to reap the financial benefits but also because it is this necessary purging of her old life it's like a chokehold that the morgans have around her neck but 
we know that she never will. It's just very Sonia to waste time and money juggling 10 different fake businesses that yield no profits when she's sitting on a gold mine of income that she can't sell or rent because she won't do the bare minimum to make the house presentable. There's so much clutter and it's so specific to Sonia's tastes and I don't know why she refuses to depersonalize it or neutralize it in order to attract any kind of buyer. And I think it says a lot, that scene where she gets Ramona and Luann to come over and paint her backyard furniture. Yeah. And there's like dried shit all over yes, the furniture. Yeah. And rather than doing a deep clean and starting a it's fresh, just it's like, like, just put a layer, put a layer on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, if that ain't Sonia, then I don't know what is. Like her sharpieing in her bags and her, like everything is yeah, just, yeah. is just like keep the past alive and like, yeah. just like sharpieing the cracks. Yeah. Should we, did we talk last time about the room grabbing? I don't know if we did. I just think it's such an interesting part of, it's, there is, there's so many times on the show where I fall down on Sonia's side and I think her friendships are very important to her and her behaviour to those friends is, is, you know, she's not a Ramona, she's not like shitty to people. She's gossipy and all of the stuff with the facialist or like spreading stuff Mm -hmm. is not a good look, but it's not directly at the person or sort of confrontational Mm -hmm. and the room thing is just so interesting that it's like the love of the game that no one else is enjoying and Mm -hmm. i just find it so funny that each time they're so insufferable in a way that really makes you kind of truly hate them (laughs) yeah and it's like they think it's cute and funny and it's like, but the audience love that we do this or whatever. And it's like, uh, maybe they do. Uh, I hate it. I, I agree actually, to disagree. I, I do love it. But I know it. you hate it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, it, it, that is, it just, it, it triggers something deep, deep within me where whenever one of them, it's, it's like, you're horrible, horrible people. I'm like, yes, that's what I would, <laughs> that's how I would feel. I was so cross with Tinsley the one time they had a group trip and she was like, okay, so I got everyone Tiffany necklaces and she had like this whole system in place so that everyone just got given a room and there was no like fighting for rooms. And I was like, fuck you, Tinsley. This is why you're a flop <laughs> and you don't belong on this show. How dare you deprive Ramona and Sonia making an ass of themselves for 45 minutes. How dare the you. The worst is definitely, is it Mexico when Bethany ter- when Bethany's ill? It is the peak, yeah. That is, yeah. It, it, that's the one I have my head because sometimes like I get it that it's, it's like just grabby and it's, I quite enjoy it. The trip heather's uh get up trip i quite enjoy oh yeah but the mexico one is just a level it's not it's it's not the grabbing the rooms or the complaining it's when it's the unstoppableness when they're then trying to like get dorinda to trade i mean it's very narratively satisfying because they're the two who draw the two lowest numbers it's very satisfying watching them get more and more desperate and more and more worked up into a tizzy as they sort of lower their standards further and further as more and more rooms get snatched up (laughs) and that's around the time where it all becomes like tinsley should have given you the of whatever oh my god sonia's just so gone to the bad place by that point which is a shame because that episode has one of my favorite sonia lines ever when ramona's talking to her and she's like i'm trying to take what she says seriously but her face looks like a pizza pie without any cheese it's a fantastic group trip it's so I'm good. shocked we didn't do an episode on it it's so i mean i guess we did talk about it in the alcohol episode oh, it's but so it's good. one of the all-time greats but yeah the stamina that they have 
just to maintain it they just don't give up and they're constantly looking for a new way in and of course all that's what, back to like picking on tinsley that's what i think i find weird about that one is that it, instead of it being like it's funny it's all like a funny like we're kind of kidding sentence mm-hmm. it, they're just sort of not and also they did it in the like the mini trip beforehand where they go to vermont or aspen where they go skiing and they do the whole thing there as well so it's like okay we've already had yeah. our fill of room drama this season already that's one of my favorites when luann's like I just got married and nobody thought it would be nice <laughs> to give a... And Bethany is like, like, Dennis just died. Like, did, did, yeah. should I get the nice rough? Like, <laughs> Yeah, completely. So funny. God, that season's so rich. So we, we really didn't know how good we had it. I mean, just now before we started recording, I was watching the Black Shabbat dinner. Oh and even that from a season that I think history has not remembered very fondly is is so rich and i i mean excellent is a loose term but it's the peak of amazing cringe television it was like the bridey speech spread out over two episodes it It was just unreal do you have it written down by any chance i was hoping you might give us a dramatic reading of it of which one ramona's or no no sonia's one that ends with Oh, I've so- made millions for the LGBT community. My instinct was to write it down. And then halfway through, I was like, it's essentially a mixture of, I've raised millions for the LGBT. With, you don't touch the Morgan letters. Speeches. But you then- don't touch the letters. Letters. It's all of that. It's like the variation of a theme that we've seen before. But then with this like added sprinkle of clearly pre-planned do the work platitudes that she's picked up from Ebony, but doesn't quite understand. And she's really drunk. So she like bungles it anyway. And and... then she pisses on her driveway. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I peed like a racehorse. (laughs) Oh, I peed. (laughs) I don't know. And it's just... A very interesting mix of like Tennessee Williams, Zion, Sonia Morgan with very current sensibilities about yeah. the world around her. I've told you, I've, I said this last time, but I say it again because I just want to keep putting it into the universe. I want to play Blanche Dubois at some point in my life as Sonia Morgan. And yeah. I went to see Streetcar recently with Patsy Ferran, who's brilliant, which was interesting because she's like 30. It, it, she, it, hmm. it was one of the first times I've ever seen it I think Blanche is only meant to be in her early 30s. I'm here and ready, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was watching it and I was re-listening to the text and because the production that's on at the moment is totally stripped back and there's no set or anything. So I was really listening and it did just reinforce to me how unbelievably, Sonia, the not only the relationship with drinking and the sort of slight hysteria and the fragility underneath but the the scenes with Mitch and that whole thing of I just want magic and I just want is so all those scenes where you see Sonia on a date and when she's on and that thing of just wanting to sort of be loved and held and the fantasy as well the living in the past and the the like no no there's a there's a telegram and Chet not Chet. Yes. I was about to say Chet Baker. Chet Baker's coming to pick me up. <laughs> That's not quite right. Um, but whatever his name is, the guy at the end. Yeah. But it's like, no, he's coming sort of in the tiara and the ball gown. Mm-hmm. Sort of where, and I just thought it is unreal. It is. It, it, she is just a walking, like, Blanche Dubois in, in 
modern New York. Sonia definitely at least once a day goes up to that one assistant of hers, Pickles, and it's like, Pickles, get on the phone to Western Union. I'm expecting a fax. Yeah, yeah. And just that whole thing of when Blanche turns up at the beginning of the whole kind of we've lost Belle Reeve and it's been taken by debtors or whatever. And you just think it's just like Sonia in 10 years time being like, we lost the yeah. townhouse and they took it away. And I, I lived for it. I burned for it. And I, I, yeah. I, I put my life into it. It's incredible. It's been going on for 10 years now. She's on the brink of bankruptcy and foreclosure and just a general nervous breakdown. I think that's where a lot of the stress comes from of constantly like the dam is about to break, but we haven't had it yet. I'm almost willing for her to hit rock bottom just so we can get it out of the way. But she's just And so... out of her system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. Do we have anything else to say about our beloved Sonia? No, I mean... No, it kind of all felt weirdly serious because I suppose like we were saying from the start that there's something quite sad about Sonia. And I think going back and watching and especially watching so many of those like heightened moments of hers, they all do come with this undercurrent of, you know, whether it's the drinking on the water pills. (laughs) That's that bit when the like, what was she on, tequila? And it's like, no, she had a a Diet Coke with some rosé in it. (laughs) And goes, that's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god diet coke with rosé in it <laughs> she really sells it that's disgusting everybody drinks it in geneva well you know whether it's that or the i'm gonna knock you out or um the, there's always so much like it's always so sad underneath i i have got to give it to you it's so great the the party with john john and madonna is very good well john John's oh dead. it's incredible <laughs> it's, it's like Again, that sort of Blanche Dubois-esque, the details, it's the names, it's so... Or like the dog funeral, and then she gets the the ashes all over herself because it's blown back into her. And she's like, oh, I I wore this dress to Prince Rainier's funeral. (laughs) It's like, of course you did. It's a lie, but of course. I love it. Of course. Keep on making up bullshit. And I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of Sonia Tremont Morgan. For every anecdote she's told us, I know there's a million more we'll never hear. We're fully attuned to her shtick, but she's still an enigma to me in so many ways as she would probably want because like you say maybe i think there's kind of an intentional arm's length that she's prepared to send herself up so far but we kind of never fully get her she's slightly this is such a, a strong word to use but she's slightly kind of prostituting out the comedy side of like her yeah drinking and her you know it's her and her gaze getting pissed in the townhouse or whatever but in the similar way it's like but you don't get the real st- you're not allowed to have the real stuff yeah it's almost like prince hal's speech in henry the fourth part one i know this oh my god weird. but <laughs> <laughs> but it is that whole thing of like i'll play the fool all right i'll just wait i'll buy my time and i think that the laugh is you know <laughs> she's getting her bravo well she's not anymore she can't get on bravo for love nor money now none of them can but i think she had a really good thing going there and in a way where it's very hot topic right now in the Bravo fandom, I'm not sure you're aware, but Robin on Potomac has just been pilloried by the community because she's just gone through a whole season not revealing the fact that her husband was having an affair. All I've seen is endless people talking about Vanderpump Rules. And it feels really weird for something to be happening in the Bravo universe that I have no idea about. And I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. I started watching it. I knew something in my waters was telling me I needed to start Vanderpump Rules. So when I was in Cincinnati and I was bored, I watched it all through the day. 
and I'm so glad I'm back on it. This is our January 6th, Ellie, and I cannot believe you're not on board with this. I'm so sad. It's not going to be the same. Because now it's like lost. You're going to be watching it with the knowledge of what's going to happen. I, I know. I've met... It's, it's, and also, I'm currently on Married at First Sight Australia over here, so it's... But oh, like, well, that supersedes it. I know how you feel about Married at First Sight. I do. There are just certain Married at First Sight series where it's like you had to be there. And, I get it, and yeah. That's exactly what's just happened, and I'm just sad that I wasn't there. What should we talk about next? What are you, Okay, so people are messaging me to talk about all sorts of stuff. Oh, what are some suggestions? People really want Alexis, Bellino, and like usual ones like Vicky and Tamara. Yeah, because I was going to suggest Shannon Bador. Oh well, yeah, let's do Shannon. Um, hang on, but Shannon Bador has been on longer. I think we should do Alexis. Great. Jesus jugs it is. Thanks for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating, or if you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>